Um, so with the time that we have left this afternoon, I just want to talk a little bit about that last thing that we talked about, uh, the idea of kind of financially supporting Sarah, and I'd really encourage you to pray about it. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about money this afternoon, um, because we're in a little bit of a tricky moment when it comes to money right now, aren't we, as a society? And I bet some of us, if we're being really honest, we're thinking, I'd love to support Sarah in her ministry, but frankly, the last thing I need is another expense, is another outgoing from my account. Um, apart from all of the news that we've seen recently about the Queen, the most uh, kind of the loudest things happening on our news channels at the moment are all about the cost of living crisis, it's about rising energy bills, Everybody is worried about winter. I feel like I'm living in Game of Thrones. Like everyone's like, winter is coming. And as, as much as that, I make a joke about it, that's a legit fear, isn't it? Like colder times are coming. The heating's coming back on again. And most households in this country are wondering how they're going to pay the bills. Now, we've talked a lot on Sundays recently about the cost of living and what we can do to our, love our neighbours through that. And so today, I really want to quickly open up what I think Jesus would say to us at this moment. Um, at this moment in the history of our nation and how we, uh, if we do identify as followers of Jesus, how we can respond. Uh, but before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge we are talking about money and this is a church setting and that's going to make a whole bunch of us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I'm also aware that all of us are coming here from different financial circumstances. So I just want to say firstly, this is a really safe place. You don't have to say anything or do anything that you don't want to do. But also, I just thought we'd break the ice. Just, we're just going to break the ice a little bit before we talk about money. So what I want you to do is just turn to a few friendly looking people. Yep, you all look friendly, that's fine, so no excuses. Turn to some friendly people around you and just really quickly for like 60 seconds, just give it a number. Like how comfortable are you talking about finances? Like one is back off, leave me alone, none of your business. And 10 is here's my pin number, help yourself. So go and talk to the people around you and give it a number. You've got 60 seconds and then I want to hear from you, okay? So find some people. If you're from Gloucester Vineyard Church, it's your turn to be a host. Make sure everyone's included and have a, have a chat. All right, let's hear from you guys. So let's see. Just show me on your fingers, like, where were you? Like, any ones in the room? Oh, we've got a seven over there. That's very good. Sevens. Two. Tim's not talking to anyone about anything. It's good. Eights. Oh, God, you guys are pretty open. Oh, you see, this is going to be fine. Can I just reassure you, if you're a one or a two, like I say, safe place. And if you are a ten, come and talk to me later, because I'd like some of your money. Um, <laughs> But anyway, if you've been to our church before, you, or you may have just heard, Ryan just spoke to us about the language that we use around here about financially supporting this church. We talk about people being backers, backers of the church. If you, uh, if, you're, if you kind of resonate with who we are and what we're doing, we would love to encourage you to become one of our backers. And I like the term backers because it's kind of like people who don't necessarily kind of, maybe they don't have a church past or a Christian past. They can kind of get on board with that language. It makes sense to them. But I also, I really don't like that term. And I can say that because I think I came up with it, so that's fine. Um, in my heart of hearts, I don't really fully like it because it doesn't tell the full story. It doesn't tell the full story from my perspective. It doesn't carry Jesus' heart um, where, for money and what, what he would probably talk about. Because Jesus talked about money all the time. Seriously, he talked about money more than anything else. The only thing he talked about more was the kingdom of God. And in at number two, he talked about money. He used it to frame his stories. He used it to challenge people. It was something that he talked about all the time. 
And if I'm really honest, if Jesus was going to tell you to do something with your money, I don't think the first thing he would tell you to do is give some of it to the church. I know, I know. I think he might, but I think it would come further down the list. No, I think Jesus is much more interested in what our relationship with money is doing in our hearts. I think the way that we think and feel about money is forming our thoughts and our behaviors. Let me show you what I mean. I want you to get back into those little groups that you were just in. It's okay, we're still safe. Um, And I want you to get back into those little groups and just answer me these two questions. Simply this, if I had considerably more money, I would what? Dot, dot, dot. If I had considerably less money, I would dot, dot, dot. So it could be about maybe some financial security, it could be about buying some stuff, it could be about kind of fears or debts or anything like that. So we're going to have just a couple more minutes. I'm not going to ask you to feedback from this one, so you're all right. But just answer that question. If I had considerably more money, I would what? Or if I had considerably less, I would what? So find those clusters again, make sure everyone's included, and we'll come back in a couple of minutes. So I think... I think that if Jesus was here today, that he would want to actually meet us in those moments. I think he'd want to meet us in those places where we're kind of pinning our hopes and our fears on money. So let me tell you what I mean. So for me, if I was going to answer those questions, I'd kind of have the same answer for either, but just the flip side. So for me, if I had more money, I would feel much more secure in just everything in life. And if I had less money, I would feel extremely insecure, and I would find myself probably worrying a whole lot more. Um, And those answers, for me, they inform the way that I think, and they inform the way that I behave in the world. So because I'm a bit of a worrier, I'm also a really big saver. So we've got savings for just about everything, just in case. And whilst saving is wise, If I'm really honest, for me, I save because I'm terrified of running out of money. And that's the truth. And I want to be ready for those scary expenses when they come up. So for me, when the saving pots are full, I'm as cool as a cucumber. I'm happy. And when we've dipped into those pots, as we have done over the last couple of months, to fix the car, do some work on the house, something expensive breaks, I'm less secure. I'm feeling a little bit more anxious about life. Now, for others of us, it might be around our quality of life or maybe the way that people perceive us. But I think for whoever we are, our relationship with money strikes right at the heart of who we are as people, how we're made, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, and our anxieties. So it's just no wonder that Jesus talked about money all the time, because money is the window into our very souls. Probably my favorite thing that Jesus ever said about money, which really neatly sums up the way that he thinks about it, can be found in the first biography of Jesus' life you'll find in your Bibles. It's called Matthew, because it's by a guy called Matthew. And Jesus says this, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll either hate one of them, or you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted one to one, and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money pretty strong language there from Matthew. So with that kind of idea ringing in our ears, I want us to think about money today. And as we look at the world around us, I feel like Jesus would actually lay two paths ahead of us. A path that is all about loving God, and a path that is all about loving money, as Jesus said. And I think God's path is paved with generosity 
and the other path is paved with greed. Greed and generosity. I would argue that those two things are opposites. So before we go any further, we're going to define our terms. So if you're over here, congratulations. You guys are greed. Sorry about that. So what I want you to do is just find, your, find those friendly folks again and just give me some, I want to hear from you this time. So I want to hear, what is greed? Where do we see greed? You know it's something, something is greedy. What is, what is that? So find your people again and answer me. What is greed? And this side, I want you to talk about generosity. How do you know when you find generosity? What is generosity defined by? Who is generous? Can you think of a generous person? 60 seconds and I want to hear from you this time. So have a chat amongst yourselves and we'll come back. Okay, let's hear from some of you guys then. So let's join Team Greed first. Hello, greedy people. Um, so who wants to talk to me about greed? Somebody wave at me. Look at me as if you want to say something. What did we discuss? Yes, someone's being pointed to. Naomi, you just got pointed to. Oh, Ben. Go on then, Ben. Um, say what you said at the end. What did I say, kid? Someone's got more than enough, but they still want more. Uh, when someone wants more than enough, but they still want more. Ah, so when somebody's got more than enough, but they still want more. Very good. I like that. Anybody else? What is greed? Oh, yes, over here. Come on then, Sarah. I think when people are greedy, they have so much, they keep getting more, but they lose the value of things, then they lose the value of humanity. Oh, that's wonderful. Lose the value of things, and then lose the value of humanity. Wow, that's powerful. Anybody else? Maybe one or two more? You quoted Abba, gimme, gimme, gimme. Very good. Lovely to have a little Abba quote in there. Anybody else? One more? Do-do-do. Team greed? Okay. Team generosity. How's it going? So what do we think about generosity? How do we know when we see it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Don't be shy. Focusing on others. Okay, very good. I like that. Yep. Giving, giving beyond what's comfortable. Oh, giving beyond what's comfortable. I like that. That's very good. I was saying there's almost a freedom with it. Like, you don't see generous people being grumpy about it. There's like a freedom and a joy and a release of within generosity. Oh, I like that. So we've got generous people over here finding a sense of freedom, and greedy people over here losing a sense of humanity. Oh, oh. getting some goosebumps. That's powerful stuff. So, I'm painting in fairly broad brushstrokes here. We're talking about greed and generosity as if there's no grey areas. Um, but I wonder if you can relate to the way that I've been feeling over the last couple of months as I've started to feel the, the finances of our household tightening. I've started to look at how we can make our life a bit more affordable, to cut out all of the unnecessary things um, that we can live without for a time, to look for the best deals on everything, to generally spend less and be much more careful. And let's be really clear. That's not greed, is it? That's wise. That's just wisdom. And I think one of the loudest, most important values that our Bible would want to leave us with when we're talking about money is using it wisely. But I think an equally important value that we discover when we read our Bibles is about using our money with generosity. Um, it's all about taking what we have and using it for others. So we said last week that the Bible's vision of a fully alive person is someone who no longer lives for themselves, but lives for others instead. You cannot live for others and keep all of your money to yourself. You just can't. And so for all of us, I think there's a challenge here. 
A challenge to be wise, but not fearful. A challenge to be generous and not greedy. A challenge to keep giving our money away despite everything inside ourselves telling us to keep hold of it as tightly as we can. Now, I'll be really honest, I've really struggled to write this this week. I've wanted to say about three different things, but I felt like this is the only thing that I could say with any integrity. You know, normally if I was going to talk about money, I'd know exactly what I wanted to say. I spoke on this a couple of years ago, um, uh, and you can find it on our podcast. It's called Breaking Up With Money, and I really encourage you to go and listen to that talk because I think it's really good. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, normally, uh, and again, normally at some point during this talk, um, I would encourage you to consider giving financially to this church and to what we do. And if you want to do that, great, fantastic. You know how to do that. Um, but I'm not going to push that today. Instead, I want to talk. Want to end with something that our friend Matt Hyam shared on social media the other week. And then I want to read something that Jesus said uh, about money that I think should give us pause. So Matt, some of you might remember, came to us and spoke to us uh, from World Vision. He is a hugely challenging theologian. His theology is gritty and difficult at times in a really, really good way. Uh, And this is what he said. Life is tough right now. I'm not sure we'll really appreciate how tough it is until it starts getting cold and the heating goes back on. I'm looking at the predicted domestic bills and genuinely starting to panic about where the money is coming from. Like everyone, I'm looking at where we can cut back. We're not going on holiday anytime soon. We certainly don't need to stop at any service stations to grab a bite. Takeaways are not happening anymore, and eating out is not going to happen unless there's a really, really good reason, like someone else is paying. We're all cutting back. The easiest thing to cut back on is giving. We can stop that, and it literally has no negative impact on our lives. It is the obvious first thing. For many of us, it may well be the only option available, so we have no choice. The trouble is, if we're finding it tough, then those on the underside are finding it unbearable. If we're having to limit what we eat, how many of those on the underside in the UK and abroad just do not eat at all? I don't believe in tithing, he says. Tithing is the kind of Christian principle of giving 10% of your income every month to the church. And Matt says, I don't believe in tithing. I think it's not a biblical principle in the way of the church that claims, in the way the church claims it is. It's been absent for the first 300 years of the church. See, I told you he was provocative. Gordon Fee once described it as a system to, system set up to limit generosity. The New Testament principle is radical giving. It's easy to be generous when we have plenty to spare. But is that radical? It only becomes radical when it costs us. It becomes radical when it's a sacrifice. It becomes radical when we have to make changes to do it. So here we are. Life is tough right now. I urge you, this is when we really start radical giving to those who are in far more desperate need than we are. This is when those on the underside need us more than ever. Yes, it is going to cost us, but when we give to those in need, we are giving to Jesus himself. Jesus tells this story, um, and it's a picture of the end of time when God wraps everything up and brings justice to the world. And he gives us his picture of what justice looks like. He says this, When the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, And then he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. 
and he will separate people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then those righteous ones will say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. And then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these brothers or sisters, you were refusing to help me. Jesus Christ, challenging as ever. And that's our challenge today to press into radical generosity in these difficult times, to figure out how we can keep the heating on as well as giving to others. Frankly, if we're even in a position to be reducing the amount of money that we're giving away, we already, uh, if we already have a proportion of our money that we give away, then we are likely in the top 1% of the world's wealthy anyway. Giving our money away to serve those in need is an exercise in trust. Giving our money away to serve those in need is an exercise in breaking up with money. It's an exercise in faith in Jesus, in trusting that Jesus will do as he promised, that he knows what we need and that he's willing and able to provide it for us. So that's kind of all I have to say today. And it didn't take me as long as I thought it would. Embo, do you want to come and join me? Um, so I kind of, I wanted to end with some more words of Jesus, if that's okay. I figure you can never have too much Jesus on a Sunday. Um, I hope you agree. Um, but I want to just... I just, I just want to read this over us uh, as we kind of think about what I've shared this afternoon. I know that what I've said will have landed with all of us in a different way. I know that some of us are really struggling for finances at the moment, and this is probably the last thing you wanted to hear. Um, and I know that others of us, maybe it's come as a real challenge. I don't know. Um, and really that's for you to kind of do the business in your own heart. Um, but I just want to read probably my favorite chunk of the Bible um, to you guys as Embo plays beautifully. Okay. Thank you. Um, and we're just going to have a moment to reflect. Now this speaks to me because as I said earlier, I'm a worrier. So I worry about things like this. Um, and what Jesus says in Matthew's biography in chapter 6 is really powerful. Um, and as we're thinking about generosity, as we're thinking about how we can still push into generosity in the face of some of the most challenging financial times that we've ever seen ourselves, these words from Jesus speak so powerfully. And I think we need to live in these words if we're going to be radically generous. So I'm going to encourage us, um, let's all stand, I think. That seems like the right thing to do. Um, and I want to encourage you to close your eyes. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read these words of Jesus over us. Because this is what he says and this is what's true. 
and then Emily's going to sing a song and I encourage you to sing along with that and, and as I say just do the business in your heart that you need to do so this is what Jesus says about money and possessions don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rusts cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal wherever your treasure is there the desires of your hearts will be also and that's why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for the Heavenly Father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are can all your worries add a single day to your life and why do you worry about clothing look at the lilies of the field and how they grow they don't work or make their clothing and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and are thrown into the fire tomorrow he will certainly care for you why do you have so little faith So don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus, as we hear those words this afternoon, and as we stand at the beginning of a really tough winter, we just ask that you would form us into a community of courage, that you would form us into a community that knows how to be generous, that knows how to give our finances away, even when we're worried about them ourselves. Lord, would you help us to trust in you, 